From Church on Morgan, a United Methodist congregation whose desire is to be a reminder of the beauty of God and each other. This podcast is a collection of Sunday teachings inspired by the Revised Common Lectionary and recorded weekly in Raleigh, North Carolina. And now, a moment of silence before this episode begins. Hear now the word of the Lord. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, scold your disciples, tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. As Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. He said, if only you knew on this of all days, the things that lead to peace but now they are hidden from your eyes. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Palm Sunday is a weird day. First of all, it seems like Jesus steals a donkey. Like, is anyone else reading this the same way? Uh, Then we got people taking their clothes off. We've got people rejoicing in hopes that Jesus may finally come and take over and bring peace. And then we have Jesus crying at his own party. The story of this day holds so much of the tension of our faith inside it. I feel like Palm Sunday is Easter if we wrote the story. You know what I mean? The church has a tradition that beautifully embodies this paradox, which is that we turn this year's palms into the ashes for next year's Ash Wednesday. It's a reminder that we haven't always welcomed him. It remains to be seen if we actually have enough closet space to store all of these, but it's a nice idea, right? So there's a few strange and significant images to remind ourselves about as we enter into this story. First, we have the palms. Though Luke actually leaves this detail out of his account, it was customary in the ancient world to welcome home a king by placing palms on the ground for him to walk on. In ancient Greece, the palm branch was awarded to athletes for winning. So even if your opponent was leading the entire game, San Diego State still gets the palms because of a lucky last-minute shot. The Romans gave them to gladiators, so it's a symbol that the crowd expects a victory. And spreading the coats, too, was an act of submission paid to royalty. I wasn't at Dreamville last night, though I could hear it, but I wouldn't be surprised if people were laying down their garments for Usher, right? This is what we do in the presence of a king. He was my sixth-grade king. These are my confessions. The cult... The cult has meaning as well. 
Every time a Roman general had a successful campaign, he would march his warhorse in a triumphant procession into Rome. Jesus rides in on a donkey. This is no accident. This is a demonstration, street theater. Reverend Sam Wells calls it a spoof. I love that Jesus has a sense of humor. In fact, on the other side of the city, his joke was directed because that very same day, scholars believe Pilate was marching in with his armies, with the military might of Rome on display. Yes, there may well have been two parades on this day, because every year during Passover, the Roman governor came to remind the Jewish people who they belonged to and to display the force that would be poured out on them if they resisted. Those with a lot to lose probably went to that parade. They had coolers and snacks, I'm sure, and they brought their collapsible camping chairs. That was the parade you wanted to be seen at. Jesus and his followers were poor and politically oppressed. I imagine they were thirsty and sticking to each other because they probably couldn't sit in the chairs, because they probably couldn't afford chairs, and because they wanted to be as close to him as possible, because they had seen that Jesus' touch held healing in it. And these were a people desperate for peace. They cried, Hosanna, which means save us now. The crowd declares peace, peace in heaven, even as they prepare for war on earth. Yes, it's likely that Jesus' followers believed Jesus was coming to restore the throne of David, to throw Rome out. Maybe they hoped Palm Sunday was the prelude to a rebellion. In fact, some people believe that this is why Judas betrayed Jesus, because he believed Jesus had failed his people in securing the peace they so desperately longed for. These people might have believed on Palm Sunday simply that they were about to win, but having a winner and a loser doesn't necessarily guarantee peace. We know this. I learned this my first week of marriage. My husband and I are big board game people. We got any board game people in the house? A few of you, yes? Anyone know the game Scythe? This is a deep cut. Okay. Um, it's like a step beyond Settlers of Catan and one step shy of Dungeons and Dragons. So it's a bit of a reveal about us. Um, but for our wedding, we were gifted a seven-game campaign, as we call it in the community, where each three-hour game builds on the one before it. And if you win, you get to open like a tiny little box with meeple, or I actually brought a couple, like battleships, wing. These are small but mighty in this game. And they would serve you in the next game. So the stakes are just climbing game after game after game. And for the first seven nights of our marriage, we played a game every night. And by the final game, I mean, we're not speaking. Our hands are like shaking with every move that we make, desperate to win. And of course, only one of us could. And this doesn't happen very often, but this time it was Will. <laughs> and so at the end of our first week of marriage, we stopped speaking to each other and he slept on the couch. Declaring a winner and a loser doesn't have a whole lot to do with peace. So the disciples are already declaring the peace that they think comes through victory, and Pilate's here to maintain the peace that comes through force, but Jesus arrives signaling peace of another kind altogether. They've got the right king, but the wrong story. No, Jesus won't deliver on their longed-for victory, at least not by their metrics, not on their timeline, and not through their agenda. And so the crowd turns on him. 
By the end of the week, their cries for Hosanna turn to cries to crucify him. Jesus will disappoint these people all week, just like Jesus disappointed us this week in an elementary school in Nashville. Hosanna, we cry. Save us now. We want peace, right? That's all we want, God. Hosanna. Show up for our rebellion. Make haste. Bring us political victories. Change the hearts of those who oppose us. Bring power so that we can create the conditions of peace. Where is Jesus? Weeping with us over our city. On the cross with the victims. Forgiving the shooter. Setting a table in the presence of our enemies. This week, I'd prefer an emperor. I see how you switch parades. I might sell this god for 60 pieces of silver if I thought it would protect our kids. I know where I'd like him to be. I know what I'd like him to do and how and when, and I have a pretty good idea of what I think might make for peace. As one commentator puts it, the multitude sings of peace in heaven without recognizing that Jesus is not an example of some larger notion of peace. He is their peace. On Palm Sunday, we remember that Jesus is not the underwriter of our tribal aspirations or the tool by which we seize or maintain power of our human kingdom. We see on Palm Sunday what we see all throughout history, a God who keeps refusing to perform the script we thrust upon him. Scene one, get rid of the people we hate. Scene two, put us in charge. Finale, peace, surely. But if he had, like what if Jesus had led an insurrection that week? Overthrown Rome, taken power, become king of their systems, sat in their offices, gotten rid of their enemies, would the aftershock of that mean peace for us today? Would we be gathering around that story today? Or would it be merely a footnote in the history of a world at war? Thank God we didn't get the God we wanted. Instead, we have a God who marches into our cities and schools and living rooms full of those who want him crowned and those who want him dead and most of us who can't decide and weeps for the peace we might have known. If only you had recognized the things that made for peace, Jesus says. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Maybe this is the good news for us today. The image of Jesus looking out on our cities, weeping over our violence with us. Longing for peace with us. A God who is radically, relentlessly with us. Closer than we want him. The vulnerable love of God rides past us on Palm Sunday and gives itself freely into the hands of power and terror to expose the sham of our human kingdoms, to choose solidarity with all who suffer, and to lead us home by another way, and in doing to heal our misunderstanding of peace, more slowly than we'd like and more completely than we can imagine. We have a Prince of Peace. And it may be that to participate in hastening his kingdom, we have to lay down our palms and follow his path, not simply adorn it. This is unfortunate if you've got even a passing familiarity with the rest of his calendar this week. Thursday, eat with enemies. Friday, forgive everyone everything. 
Friday afternoon, die with us. In all things, God with us. Which means, somehow, peace is with us. There is a peace we don't have to wait for. There is a peace to carry us through every not again, every how long, every if only. Peace was with the very human Jesus as he rode into a city with a target on his back. We see it in the way he rode, vulnerable, unprotected, freely towards whatever lie ahead. We see that peace in the fact that he could still tell a joke. We see it in his faith that even the stones have his back, which means it's there, it's available for us too. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. It's the peace that comes before peace comes, a peace that does not rely on the conditions of peace, a peace that comes and goes only in our relationship to our awareness of it. You know this, you felt this. In all the waiting rooms, peace isn't supposed to go. It's the peace that passeth all understanding. It's the peace that is unafraid to stay with us as we walk the roads towards any of the deaths that we face be it that of our marriage, our memory, our mother, our ego, our status, our savings account, our political hopes, our vocation, our dreams, even, God forbid, the loss of our children. Peace will not pave us a detour, but ride with us and whisper that God has been here too. When Jesus appears to his followers after his resurrection, the first words he says are the ones we repeat every Sunday in our liturgy, peace be with you. The church has been passing the peace since the year 200, and each week it's a sign of our fierce, indisputable commitment to continue working inside our human kingdom to build and welcome the peace of God here on earth. And each week it's an invitation too to receive that peace now. In the days to come this week, we'll remember the sacred patterns of things, the path of descent. We can be dragged to Golgotha kicking and screaming, or we can fix our eyes and arrange our transportation. Resurrection won't discriminate. But when my life comes into view from the hilltop, I don't want Jesus to weep over the peace I might have known along the way, hidden from me because of all the things that I added. Perhaps it turns out the list of things that make for peace is only as long as the things we try before we surrender. When I look at the Holy Week account, it seems that only for Jesus was it as the spiritual teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, says, peace all the way to peace. The disciples wouldn't know peace until after the stone was rolled away. That's not how the story went. But we are still writing ours. If only, Jesus implores, if only, May we join him and accept the gift of peace now, the peace that does not eclipse our tears but weeps with us as we ride bravely towards Friday and at the same time, in the same direction, Sunday. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining today. If this episode has been meaningful to you, would you take a moment to share it with a friend? To support this ministry or learn more about our community, visit us at churchonmorgan.org.